Welcome to Diana Perkovic's Monday Moment in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, 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 everybody. Happy Monday. This is Diana Perkovic, the host of Monday Moment in 5. So glad you're able to join us today because this week, again, we have got the remix, the extended version, and I'm thrilled with our next guest. I'm so happy to be able to bring him to you because I really think you're going to get a lot out of this week's podcast. Jamel Davenport is a coach, entrepreneur, teacher, and public speaker. He started his journey with the mindset of becoming an attorney. And after years of conversations with people working as a counselor, a police officer, social worker, Jamel began to see a common thread that really at the core of what he was good at was giving people advice. We're going to have Jamel give us some advice today. Like many of you, I was introduced to Jamel via his work with Rob Kardashian on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I think it was his huge smile and what I found to be really deep thoughts, like drops mic every time he spoke on the show. It's so easy to see why Jamel has yet to lose a client. He spreads his gift and impact with everyone who works with him, and I think you'll be impacted by him today. Jamel. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so glad you're here today. You made it. I did. I did. In spite of the obstacles, <laughs> I was able to persevere. Oh, we, we'll talk about obstacles during this podcast, to That's be right. sure. So let's sort of just start at the beginning and, and, and paint the picture for people, because my experience has been those in the personal development world yeah. went through a little personal development for sure. of their for own. Sure. So so sort of walk us through the trajectory and, and how this version of Jamal came to be. So this version is still constantly evolving. And so that's that's I want to make sure I'm very clear about that. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm sitting with clients or friends, there's a certain authority that comes about in our conversation and it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. I never want to come across as if I am the authority, but there's a spiritual favor that's a part of my DNA Mm -hmm. that speaks with that. I don't call it confidence, that Godfidence. Oh, I like that. Right, right. So I make sure that I position myself in a manner that I'm able to give all that I have to offer, but I'm not attempting to take anything from that person. Mm -hmm. So forgive me if I sound extremely spiritual, Mm -hmm. but I'm not at all. I'm just a spiritual being having a human experience. And the more opportunities that I have to tap into that invisible realm, I call it the spiritual vault of life, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna look to do it. And so that's that's my gift, is that my my curiosity about what happens in the invisible realm Mm -hmm. is insatiable. Mm -hmm. And so my journey began with that. Even as a kid, I was always inquisitive. I always asked questions. And my parents said, you're gonna be a lawyer because you're always asking questions and you're always debating. And I believe that because, you know, as a kid, your neuroplasticities are extremely expansive and mm. you just think everything you hear is what you're supposed to do. And so I was programmed as a child that your gift is meant to be in a, in a, in a courtroom per, per se. So I studied law and I got as far as to get my master's degree in criminal science and philosophy. However, I was super young when I received my degree. I think I was 20 years old as a senior in college, and I might have been 21 or 22 when I received my master's degree. And the average law student is 27. I was going to say, that's very young. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, oh, wow, okay, so I'm 22, I have my master's. And I had did I, I achieved a, a, quite a bit as a young kid. I was very ambitious. Mm-hmm. And so 
at one point I just said, you know what, dude, you need to just take some time and just kind of figure it out. Just be silent for a little bit and see what life is all about. At the time I was living in Massachusetts in a very small town and then something just said, move to New York. It's the biggest city and why don't you test all the abilities that you think you've acquired over the years. Mm -hmm. And if you fail, you come back, you can go to law school at 25, be a lawyer by 28, and you're still on track. Yeah. And if you succeed, then who knows what's waiting for you. And so I packed everything up, got in the highway. It's a true story. I actually had a rent-a-guides book, and I stayed on the highway when I entered into New York until I was able to afford rent. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I funny. love it. <laughs> you I can't imagine it. how deep in New Jersey I got, by the way. <laughs> I was I almost bet. in Philadelphia. Oh, I was my like, gosh. Oh, okay, I can afford this amount. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I had never visited New York prior to right. that. It was just like a really new experience. Mm -hmm. So to, to kind of make a long story short, it was a journey for me. And it was a journey that I was always operating by faith, but never by intention. Mm. Faith was always the lead for me. Interesting, because I think a lot of people, it's the opposite. Right. It's lack of faith, total intention. Right, right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, and still to this day, I'm the total opposite. People's like, what are you going to do next? And I'm like, I don't know. Do you think you're wired that way? 100%. I take no credit for it. Interesting. By, by, I would be lying to you if I told you that. Because that is sort of opposite to how most people live. Yeah, and even when I say it to people, they're like, well, aren't you, well, aren't you? And I, I, and I think, for me, that's why my work, seems so effortless mm -hmm. because when I share that you can live by this as well it comes off so authentic because I'm almost so naive I don't believe that there's any other option so my selling point is not a sale pitch it's, it's genuine it's like you can ask me now you can ask me while I'm asleep you can ask me if I'm intoxicated you ask me you can in coma and meditate anytime you ask me one question that has anything to do with faith the answer is always going to be the same because that's genuinely what I believe, and I don't see another option. I just, I'm blinded. It's almost like an idiot savant when it comes to faith. Faith is the only answer for me. It is literally the substance by things I hope for and the evidence of things I have not seen. And I, it's, I, I tell people, become independent of the good opinion of other people. So my independence of people's opinions and validations and credibility has nothing to do with what my life is about. I solely believe that there is something greater than me in me, and if I surrender fully to that, my path would just unveil itself. That's so, that, but that's a scary concept for some people, Jamal. It is. It is. Yeah. Did you um, have you rather have you ever come across someone who you have found it very, very, very difficult? to work with based on, because I know you've never lost a client. No. You've never lost a client. No, no. You've worked with many. Thank God. I mean, do, do you have any idea, like roughly how many people you've worked with? Oof, great question. So I've now been coaching for almost 20 years. Okay. So I would say, wow, that's a good question. God, that's gotta be over yeah. 20 years. Can I tell you something? Countless. I, mean, I came from New York mm -hmm. yesterday mm -hmm. and, um, I, would say, I, I fly um, American Airlines, and because I'm like a frequent flyer, I get upgraded often. So I'm flying first class. You know, it was it was a, it was a gift. Mm -hmm. So that's why I share it. And the lady next to me, I when I sat down, I didn't have. Um, I'm a little bit OCD, so I wouldn't like sanitize this to wipe the seat <laughs> even in first class. <laughs> Transparency, guys, full of transparent. <laughs> and the, the stewardess, she was so nice. She said, "I'm sorry, I don't have it." But the lady sitting next to me says, "I do. I have 20 kids, and by the way, I get it." And then yeah. that turned into a 90-minute coaching session. How? 
I could never answer. Mm -hmm. And she apologized. She was like, I'm so sorry. I know you probably want to rest. This is an early flight, blah, blah, blah. And I said, dude, this is so expected. Totally right, fine. Right, like, right. Thank you yeah. for even being so kind. So for me, it's it's never about work. Mm-hmm. It's always about seizing the opportunity and seeing it for what it really is. And so I don't really believe in the concept of I'm on or I'm off. There's an infinite realm of this is just who I am and this is my journey. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I love to be available. I don't always make myself accessible because I have to have moments where I can decompress and, and you know, just be me. Sure. But I definitely want to make myself available as often as possible. I'm not sure if I answered your question, though. I mean, like, with that kind of story. Okay, got it. Right? And, right. and, and you think about, like, sitting on a plane. I, I People tell me things right. that, like... Total strangers tell me things that are so intimate right. and private and That's personal right. that it's like, you know, if you're looking at it that way, like how many people have you coached? Right. Right. Like the woman that next the to you on the plane, like yeah. you have, you coached her. Yeah. She wasn't countless. your quote paying client, exactly. but you coached her. It's in your DNA. And I'm right. sure that, you know, I was drawn to, to you. For, I mean, we met because you were on TV, yeah, basically. Yeah. But every time you spoke, it was like a mic drop. And I knew, like, I had to scratch that surface and get and dig a little say. deeper. No, it's genuine. I mean it. I mean, you were, again, mic drop over and over again. So I wanted to ask you, because I want to know your answer to these questions. Let's do it. So I'm sure other people do, too. So now that we've sort of painted the picture... So I want to ask you some of the big questions. Okay. Whether it's the internal dialogue I've had with myself over the years or the dialogues I have with my girlfriends or the women I work with yeah. or people I just meet. There, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like as much as there's so many differences between us, there's so much that yeah. we're just at our core. I think we're so much for sure. the same. For sure. And I have found that there are some things that people grapple with. Right. And it seems to be universal. So first things first, fear. Yeah. I, I want you to define fear and then give us sort of the Jamel way of how we would start to chip away at it because that's a big one for people. It's massive. Yeah. And so I want to answer this question. And for those who are listening, please receive this in the time that the question is being asked. Meaning if if you were to ask me this question a week from now, Mm -hmm. I may vary it. Mm -hmm. And not because there is an inconsistency there, but fear is, it's it's so alive and it's so relevant to everything we're experiencing in life. Um, There's an acronym to fear that I think most people are aware of is false entities appearing real. And I like to use that to get people's mind closely connected to the fallacy of fear Mm -hmm. or the erroneousness of fear. Mm -hmm. Well, when I coach people, I really bring it back to being a child. I think everything we learn innocently comes from children. I love being around children. I love being around animals because there's a certain unconditionalness about their love or their vulnerability and their willingness to love mm-hmm. and be exposed mm-hmm. and, and to be compromised without any compromise, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so I liken it to the boogeyman. And so fear for me is the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the thing that lives in your closet mm-hmm. and paralyzes you and doesn't allow you to leave your room. And then when you open the closet door and fear is not there, people are like, oh, 
well, I can go now. And right. I'm like, well, 20 years later, like, you, you can go now. But you just gave up 20 years of your life for something that you believed. And so when I do, because of my law background, mm-hmm. I approach every scenario very forensically. So I listen to the story mm-hmm. while searching for the evidence. Mm-hmm. So I would love to get people to acknowledge their feelings because they're real and I get that. But if you can separate your feelings and then look at the facts, you feel as though there's a boogeyman in your closet, but the fact is if you actually got up and looked at the closet, you would see that there was nothing there. And so what happens then is your boogeyman then becomes your shadow. It's something that is constantly with you. Mm. So I never tell people that you should get rid of your fears and you should demolish your fears or just exhaust your fears or execute them I say embrace them like your shadow Mm. if I spent time trying to outdo my shadow outrun my shadow I can spend a lifetime doing that but if instead of looking at my shadow I paid attention to my light then I'm constantly chasing something that is bigger and greater it's interesting you you you've sort of frame it that way because yeah. I think it's a little different. You're right. To right. Most people tell you, like, crush your fear. Nice. Feel it. I do it anyways. And it's this, there, there, there's a difference for me. I think of force. Right. Power. Right. Force Huge is difference. like, you're push, like you're pushing, whereas power is, I am going to stand here. Poised. And you can, bl- the wind can blow 90 miles an hour, and guess what? I'm still here. Right. So there's, I, I feel w- what you're saying, it's a little bit different than what other people are saying. Again, crush the fear. No. Because no. it's still, as long as you believe the boogeyman is in the closet, guess what? Boogeyman's in the closet. Period. Period. And that's real for a lot of people. Yeah. And so for me to show up and say it's not real. Yeah. Who am I to do that? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to tell you that your fears are real. They're very real. Well, and that that turns me to sort of my next question, which is the whole tape recorder. Oh, yeah. Right. Going back to being kids and the boogeyman in the closet Mm. and the things that we somehow ended up believing about ourselves and how that really plays out like a movie for sure. in our lives. I I I really believe in the whole brain drain. Right. Like you've got to drain your brain of 100%. all of the things that is and and if you become aware, you'd be amazed at how many negative things go thoughts go through your mind about yourself every day. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about that tape recorder. If you were working with a client, if there's people who are listening, You'd be amazed at how many notes I get on Instagram or in my inbox and my email of people who say, you know, that quote really spoke to me or that interview really spoke to me. And I believe that the tape recorder is alive and well for so many people and it holds people back. For sure. What would your sort of prescription, if you will, be to sort of get a hold of that tape recorder because I will tell you one thing when people say to you only have positive thoughts only have positive thoughts don't think negative to me when you try to stop thinking about it it's like a boomerang and it just goes out and it comes right back 10 times harder for sure what you resist persist Mm. yeah and what you give your attention to you give your power to yeah there's so many wonderful examples I'll I'll try to just bring a couple in there I, I use poverty as, as, as one, I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for shifting people from focusing on a survivor's mentality mm-hmm. versus 
a person who focuses on succeeding. Mm -hmm. So for me, I grew up extremely poor. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother did a wonderful job raising me. She she gave me as much love as a child could possibly have, and I'm so grateful for that. However, the external circumstances weren't always available. There was a lot of volatility in our lives. Mm -hmm. So she was teaching me as a man how to survive. Son, you need to provide clothes, food, and shelter if you have a family. And she taught me that because she wanted to make sure that I would survive. And I learned that. That was my foundation. Mm -hmm. Then when I became a man and I applied those tools, being who I am, I said, there has to be more. Mm -hmm. And then the spirit of success was conceived in me. And I said, okay, so now that I've survived, what else is there to do? And then when I stopped limiting myself from surviving and unlimiting myself to succeeding, mm -hmm. I started seeing things totally differently. And so that's when I started paying attention to, okay, there's an infinite realm of possibilities that has to be available. Mm -hmm. How can I tap into that? How do I take myself above and beyond? How do I go from scarcity to abundance? How do I shift from fear to faith? How do I take myself from being one who has boundaries that might have been set through domestication and domestication being what we're programmed and taught sure. to taking myself to becoming independent of what the norms or society may teach me. And so going back to your question of the tape recorder, mm -hmm. what I did was I became an assassin rather than a pacifist. And there's a beautiful study about Gandhi who was a pacifist. Mm -hmm. And it says that power is the ability to execute a certain result. And Gandhi was extremely powerful in his ability to suggest that peace should be the answer and that we as a people should be free. However, as a pacifist, his wisdom was willing to also allow the enemies to take over. And had at the time, and I'm no historian, so I'm not pretending to be, so forgive me guys if I'm not completely accurate, but had at the time Gandhi allowed Britain or whomever to put their guns down, mm -hmm. then the enemy, either it was Mussolini or Hitler, may have taken over Europe. And mm -hmm. I don't think he took that into consideration. And that doesn't mean he was right or wrong. But what I'm, what I'm, what I'm realizing is, as a man, I was a pacifist in a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, my dad wasn't there, and it's okay. Or I didn't have this growing up, and it's okay. And then what happens is mediocrity filled in the blank. And then when I became an assassin, I said, well, you know what? That's no longer okay for mm -hmm. me anymore. Mm -hmm. So any of those impoverished thoughts that show up, I no longer am a pacifist for them. I don't allow them to occupy residency in my mind. I'm now an assassin. So if you step on my territory and it does not serve me, I'm just re I'm, I'm re replying to thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm snipering you. Mm -hmm. You don't even get this. So I can't, I can't control what shows up in my mind. Mm -hmm. I can't control what the tape recorder mm -hmm. wants to suggest to me as a playlist, but I 100% control what you're playing in my mind. Mm. I can 100% control what takes residency in my mind. And so I use that philosophy is that I don't allow anything to to occupy my thoughts That's longer powerful. than I want to. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And and sometimes I think also people and 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 I have to be reminded of this as well is that 
do you ever really deal with it, right? right so, right. okay, for you, you grew up, you didn't have a lot of money, right? right? And so that creates a certain mindset. So many people, like you go through, say, a divorce or some kind of trauma or whatever. I always like to say to people, as you go through life, these things resurface again, but it's to be reprocessed right. in a different way. For it's sure. coming up this time in your life for you. It's showing you something about today. Right. But I love how you cap it off with it can come back again in five years. Some of those thoughts may come back again in two minutes. Right. Assassinate Assassinate it. If it doesn't serve you, then it's a, it's a disservice to you. And, you know, and, and I'm going to shift gears a little bit yeah. because this is really my my premise. This mm-hmm. is like my foundation. It's my heart. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. I think we. I think we can all agree all on that. Yeah, that, right? absolutely. What I love to help people really come to terms with is that we all experience pain. That's mm-hmm. the inevitability of it. Mm-hmm. And the suffering part is where we lose sight. Yeah. And so. I tell people pain paralyzes. Mm-hmm. It impedes your ability to maximize your potential. Mm-hmm. However, if you were to shift your perspective, mm-hmm. you can find either the product or the prosperity out of your pain. So, for instance, my father wasn't in my life. He was present, wasn't a bad guy, but just wasn't an actual father. He didn't do fatherly things. He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, what my expectations might have been showing up at a football game sure. or. I don't know. I, I, it's crazy because my mind doesn't even circulate in what if that was supposed to do. And, I, and don't feel bad because it's not a bad thing. I just it, it's just it, he didn't happen to be yeah. that person. And I wrote him a letter one day and it was a, it was probably the most profound thing I've ever written to anyone. I said, Dad, because of your absence, I became more present. So it was painful as a kid not having in my life. But the product that I took out of that pain, I could have been paralyzed by him not being there and saying, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to be a man. There was no successor that I was supposed to succeed. There was no one there. I had that no set, example. No precedent set sure. me. Yeah. Or, or I could have said, Dad, if you were in my life, I may have learned some things from you that may not have served me. So then universally, the spiritual realm suggested that I was supposed to become more resilient. I was supposed to come mm. become more self-reliant. So, Dad, because of your absence, I became more present. And who's to say that you didn't sign up for this before you jumped into this universe? Mm. Who's to say that your absence was supposed to give me everything that I needed? So thank you. Mm-hmm. There's there's a beautiful definition of forgiveness that says true forgiveness is looking at your past and extinguishing any opportunity for there to have been hope of something being different. True forgiveness is looking at your past and extending gratitude to mm-hmm. everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I extended that gratitude to my father and I extended the hope that nothing could have been different and I was at peace with that, then I took the product out of that pain. And my product is that now I'm able to help so many other fathers. I'm able to help so many other bastardized children. I'm able to help so many other young men who don't have role models because I saw my pain and because I can empathize with that I now am able to connect with people authentically because I understand it. But I didn't allow my pain to paralyze me. I allow my pain to become a catalyst to the potential of the man that I could be because of that absence. And the prosperity is being able to sit here with you or the profit is being able to sit here. The profit mm-hmm. is the exchange mm-hmm. of what you're left with after. Yeah. So now my dad wasn't there and I could have made the choice to say, dad, you weren't there and I'm gonna be this person as a result. 
but I chose to assassinate that statistical thinking. Can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> assassinate, assassinate that, that to, baby. That's not going to work for me. <laughs> exactly. not, no, sir. It's not going to work. And then now I yeah. sit here as a man. Yeah. And I don't have kids now. Uh-huh. However, I, you know, I will eventually, yeah. hopefully, God willing. Yeah. And I'm going to be in the... I'm, I know. Okay. You can, you can see. <laughs> you see like... <laughs> you can hear the smile, right? Like, you should see. It's like ear to ear. You're, you just I know. know. I know. There's not a doubt. Oh, I may not be successful at anything in life, <laughs> but my child oh. will get everything. And I won't be a perfect parent. I'm not even attempting to be yeah. that. But yeah. Wow. He's gonna get That's so awesome. much. Yeah, that I know for sure. I See, don't. I'm not certain about anything. But there's that, that smile. Yeah, we yeah. Talked that, about. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There yeah. it is. Okay. So we talked fear. Yes. Tape recorder. Right. You you used the word several times in in your last little uh, response. Hope. Yeah. Hope is. It's interesting. I had. Um, I do on at Good Girl Mafia on my Instagram page. All, it's, it's all original quotes. Fantastic. All page, of by it. Way. Thank you. I stalked you earlier. Thank you yeah. very much. Stalk away. Yes, stalk yes. away, everybody, Everyone, at Good Girl Mafia. You can stalk. No restraining orders. Exactly. Go Exactly. And it was interesting because I had posted um, a quote on my personal page at Diana Perkovic and the one at Good Girl Mafia. And. I got interesting responses. Then I had my podcast guest last week, and I had posted, again, on both pages. And I have a photographic memory. Wow. And so this this young lady had written to me on at Diana Perkovic about her struggle with depression hmm. and how that podcast had given her some hope. Right. And then on the Good Girl Mafia page, she just gave me a thumbs up. I hmm. went back later to respond, and she deleted it. So from Good Girl Mafia, I direct messaged her. Right. And I said, I'm fairly certain that you wrote about depression. And she's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, but I felt so exposed. And depression is real. Yeah. Sadness is real. For sure, for sure. Having one bad day turn into two bad days turn into a really bad situation, whether it's a bad relationship, the wrong job, um, you feel like your life is, is like a pair of shoes that are two sizes too small right so that's where hope comes in and i don't know if you find this but i have found there are a lot of people it's almost as if people want to paint the world as a world that has lost hope right i don't see it that way at all i find people are searching for it if they don't have it on uh, sort of on their own that that was jamel's coffee so but, sorry guys oh don't be you should see his face he's like oh my god i just hit the mic don't worry about it we're super <laughs> casual here um but i feel like if you don't have hope you're searching for it right so help us find it so you know truth is never discovered it's only revealed mm. Um, personally for me, my faith is under the teaching and the mastery of Jesus Christ. I don't believe in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually just recently learned what the word religion means. I'm not sure if it's Latin or Greek. I think it's Latin. Mm. Re is return. If we put anything in front of re, recognition, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, return or right. respond. A religion, legion means return to bondage. So I don't believe in religion for that reason. Right. But I do believe in the mastery of what Christ was teaching us or his, in my, this is totally my opinion, mm-hmm. that what his whole effort was is to teach us is that we have everything we need within. 
the kingdom of God is within you. And mm -hmm. I believe that was really ultimately the message. And so for me, hope is part of that kingdom. Mm -hmm. it's, it's your inheritance. Interesting. It's not something that I can give to you. When I meet my clients, I say, my real gift is that I'm listening. You know, you're paying me to listen. And people say, well, why would I pay you to listen? It's like, because I hear the things that you're no longer able to. It's like, the, you know, the whistle that dogs can Could, hear, yeah, that humans can yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tuned my ear mm. to be able to hear that. Mm -hmm. And so when I speak to people, I'm just a reflection of everything that you've said to me. So I'm learning is just remembering. This is what Einstein said. So I'm just reminding you how amazing you are. Mm -hmm. And because I'm saying to you with so much love, so much integrity, and so much authenticity, you believe it. But you don't believe me. You believe what I believe in you. So if I sit here and I say, Diane, you're incredible. You already know that. But because you see my excitement about mm -hmm. sharing it with you mm -hmm. and you believe me, but the reality is I believe you. So it's just, it becomes full circle. Sure. So I don't think that people have to find hope. I think you just have to believe. Your belief system becomes your reality. Accept. Just, just receive Accept it, it. Just, yeah. receive, just open up. And, and for me, depression, because there was a point in my life where I suffered from depression as well. Mm -hmm. I, I'll share it because I'm, I'm, to, I'm totally open. I'm, I don't have any secrets. But I don't wanna share it and make people think, that my depression is comparative to anyone else's. This is this is my journey, my mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, Monday mornings were depressive to me, which is weird because I didn't have to go anywhere. I, it's not like I went to a nine to five that right. I was like, I have to, <laughs> just at home depressed. Right. <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is even more depressing. <laughs> Way more depressing. Right? I wake up and I'm like, oh, Monday. And I'm like, dude, what are you? But you have nothing to do today. Like, what are you depressed about? Yeah. Like, because I make my own schedules. Like, sure. if you don't want to work today, and then one day, I literally was bound to the bed. I could not get out of the mm. bed, literally. And, and you know, there's a lot of people listening right now who can relate to that. Oh my gosh! Not being able, I mean, could not to move. get up. Could not physically. Nothing could it's get me worst. out of that bed. And yeah. my depression was different because it wasn't attached to anything. Mm. It wasn't because I lacked money or. I was in a bad relationship or wanted to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. was, it was literally I would wake up and be like, what are you depressed about? Mm -hmm. You have the whole entire world in front mm -hmm. of you. You know that you can get up and go anywhere in the world. I had money. I had friends. I had access. Still couldn't get out of bed. And then one Monday, I woke up and I was like, this no longer serves me. And I said to myself, I'm not going to beat depression, but I'm not going to call it depression. Mm -hmm. And I literally had a conversation with myself and I said, whatever this spirit is, whatever this energy is, I no longer accept it. You can call it anything else. You can call it sadness. Mm -hmm. You can call it a simple impairment, a mild impediment. I don't care, but I will never call it depression again. Mm -hmm. It does not serve me. And that affirmation is what allowed me to get out of better monies. Now, to be very honest, I still felt, I felt the energy of it. Mm -hmm. You still felt still felt it. Didn't go anywhere. Right. Just the like giving up sure. cigarettes, you still desire nicotine. Yeah, of course. But every moment I felt it, I spoke against it. Hmm. And so what I teach my clients is that energy is emotions in play. And so my emotions were depressing me, meaning how I felt about life. Mm -hmm. Energy is just your it's it's your emotions, your thinking. You you, you don't do anything 
that your emotions don't tell you to do. Mm-hmm. We, we move based off our feelings. And so what I had to do was become the, the sovereignty of my feelings. I had to become the governor of that, to police my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You are going to get up even if you feel sad. You're going to walk even if you don't feel like it. You're going to be active. You are going to put on a fake smile. Even if you're going to set your alarm clock to play music in the morning, you're going to do whatever it requires mm-hmm. to get out of this because it no longer serves you. Mm-hmm. And I am adverse to pain. I don't. No pain works for me at all. I won't ride a motorcycle because I'm afraid to fall. <laughs> I won't go down Black Diamond because I'm afraid. I, <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. Right, right, so right. depression became painful for me. And the moment I saw it as pain, yeah. I shifted. But my shift started verbally. You ever hear the saying, easier said than done? Yeah. I love that it's easier said than done because doing was the hard part for me. Getting out of the bed was the hard part. Sitting in the bed and speaking is not hard. And I always tell people, like, even though you don't feel like it, no one or nothing can stop you from talking. It's impossible. Unless, obviously, God forbid, if someone's muzzling you. But no one can stop you from talking. So I would wake up and it's like, even though I don't feel like it, I am stronger. I am better. And I'm sorry, Dan, I'm going on a little tangible here. But my I am affirmations I am, I believe, and anything you say out that is the most powerful thing possible. And so I would wake up and say, I am strong. I am incredible. I am brilliant. I am fantastic. I am love. I am grace. I am profound. I am better than the worst thing I've ever done. And think about how many times you, just let's be honest for a minute. Yeah. If you're listening right now, how many times yesterday did you say to yourself, God, I'm an idiot? Right. Or, oh, why did I say that? Right. This right. is stupid. Why would right. I do we really like it's something that I'm a firm believer in just for a week. You know, they say keep a food diary, right? Right, keep a what do you say to yourself diary. Oh, fantastic! That's and brilliant. then start that to is brilliant once you become hyper aware, acutely aware of the things that you say to yourself all the time, Oof. you'd be amazed at how negative and hard on yourself right. you are, and it's so unnecessary, right. It's so, you know, I I read an article recently, Jennifer Lopez. She's like, oh, I have an affirmation I say to myself every day. I am timeless. I am youthful. I'm like, girl, it's working for you, okay? (laughs) You want to talk about I am. Exactly. She is like the prettiest woman. I interviewed her. She's an anomaly. I swear to you, she sparkles like a diamond in real life. Actually, Puerto Rican unicorn. She's gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Okay, so hope, fear, tape recorder. Let's talk a little bit about you know, you're stuck, Mm. okay? Wrong job, wrong relationship, whatever. It amazes me, and I've been there. (laughs) It's like crazy. You stay in these situations, and as painful as they are, and as much as I always use the analogy of like, I have on a pair of high heels that are two sizes too small, right? right? So it's like you know it doesn't feel right, and yet somehow it's harder to pull the trigger and go. For sure. Yeah. So, how do we, Jamal, in this world, encourage people to pull the trigger and go? Right. I'm going to refer to a quote by Martin Luther King, and he said, "Don't look at the entire staircase; just take one step First at a step. time." I know. I know. Yeah. I love that quote. And I do. It's it for me. It's so profound because we live in a in an instant world now. Mm-hmm. Everyone is obsessed with instant gratification. And sometimes we see things and we think, okay, this is how it's going to be. And then disappointment is the result of all expectation. Mm -hmm. And so if we set 
an expectation for ourselves that is higher than what our abilities are. And I know this is not popular and people don't like to hear this. But when you set an expectation for yourself that's higher than your ability, the rejection of that expectation is what paralyzes you. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start this business and I'm going to make all this money and I'm going to do I'm going to move to LA because I have an incredible voice and I'm going to become this great singer and then you get to LA and life sucks. Mm. And it's not to say that you don't pursue your dreams or follow that. I'm not saying that by any means. What I'm saying is that you have to develop a certain standard for yourself, but become flexible with your expectations. And I think most people become inflexible with the expectations and then they compromise their standards. And if you do the reverse, create a standard for yourself. Your standard is, I will not be employed by this company mm -hmm. forever. There's something greater in me than this. But the expectation may be, I can't just quit this job because I have a certain responsibility that I need to uphold to. I, I've had a family or I need to pay a certain bill or mm -hmm. I have certain habits or you know whatever the attachment is for you. Sure. So then you plan out your situation. And I don't mean you need to have a five or 10 year plan, but you have to balance out who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm not a planner. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have any responsibilities in the sense that I don't have a family I need to take care of or and I'm willing to to change my expectations. So if I come to L.A. and I can't live as glamorous as I may have before I left wherever I was before, I'm willing to make the compromise in that expectation. Mm -hmm. So if I expect it to live a certain way and I come to L.A. and it's no longer the case. Sure. No problem. Because for me, the pleasure of seeking what I desire is greater than the pain of what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of clear that up really quick, we're all wired by pain and pleasure. Everything we do. If you're an 800-pound man and that's a physical state for you that's painful, you have two choices to make. Stay in that physical state, which you're comfortable with, which is still painful, or exercise and or diet and lose the weight. Now, the choice is I deal with the pain of being 800 pounds or I deal with the pain of having to diet right. and deprivation. Right. I hear you. And then we choose because our primordial state is we choose the least amount of pain. We're, we're wired to avoid pain. Sure. And so I would say because I'm comfortable being 800 pounds, well, it's a lot easier to be 800 pounds than it's easier to say. I know what this feels like. Right. Right. You know the devil you do than the devil you, you don't. You don't. Exactly. And so most people in mm. situations, they don't, they step out very eagerly. So I once heard uh, a, a very beautiful bishop teach this. He says, eagerness withdraws and instincts deposit. Wow. Right? Wow. And so your eagerness to just mm. act without mm -hmm. thought mm -hmm. takes away from you. But your intuitive nature, your instinctive nature is what adds to you. I always feel like two things. People get stuck on the how. Yeah, I don't know oh. how. I don't know how. Are you flirting with me right now? No. That is my love language. <laughs> no. Let go of the how. Oh, my no, gosh. But that's you've like, got that's my t-shirt. No, but you've got to let go of the <laughs> how. To. Yes, yes. It's what, it, it, it paralyzed me. Oh. It, because it's like, well, I, you know, it's like, well, I don't, I, well, how do you do how that? Do you do it? How do you do it? And then if you don't know how. Right. That's like it, that parallel. Right. People won't move. And then. I think the other thing is, is once you do move, it's like, oh, well, I want it. And I want right, it all right, 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 right. Like right. zero patience. The microwave effect. How? 
patience. Right. Those are two things I think people really, really get stuck on. And if there's one thing that I always encourage people to do is to thine own self be true. Like you mm. know, deep down inside, if you cut through the clutter of everybody else's voice and what everybody else knows, you know your pain threshold, For you sure. know your risk tolerance, you know you know yourself. For sure. You gotta trust that too. Right. That's the that's the intuitive side of it. Right. And it's it's a balance. It yeah. really is. That how thing for me is man, I when people say to me, How did you do it? And you have a photographic memory. I don't have any archiving mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. the how. Mm -hmm. For me, the answer is always it is absolutely none of my business yeah. how it's gonna happen. Yeah. I, See, that was the hard thing for oh, me. That was the hard part for yeah, me. That's always been my form of success. Oh, see, and that was like, for me, so, like, yeah. I came to, that was a hard learned lesson for me. It's like, girl, bah. Right, you know, right, right, right. Know how. Like, that's like the beauty of it. And yeah. that's, that's really where you expand and you grow Oof. in life. And I feel like so many, um, and I work up with a lot of women, like women get stuck on the, but how, right, but, right. but how am I going to do that? Because we kind of want to hedge right. a little bit, maybe a guarantee, but sure. I like that whole Martin Luther King. One step, not the staircase. Right. But even think about how beautiful life is, you know, for me, the heart, hope deferred burdens the heart. It's a biblical mm. um, adage. Mm. And what I took from that is that for those who are familiar with the process of, of, of a birthing of a child, you recognize the heartbeat before there's an actual brain. Mm. So if you if you think about that, right? How beautiful is that? The heart yeah. beats before the brain is even developed, before the sex is even developed. Someone will say there's a heartbeat. And then you have to wait for the developmental process of that. And so if you can connect to that beating yeah. of, of of the essence of who you are, to the heart of matter, the heart of who you are, the the true nature of who you are. And if you can connect and remember that the nine months that you spent in that womb, in that incubator, nothing was done by your own cognition. Nothing. You couldn't decide how many fingers, wow. how many toes, the eye color, the <laughs> hair. So then what happens, the universe or spiritual nature of God, whatever is comforting to you from mm -hmm. language, says, I'm going to take care of you for nine months. I'm going to mm -hmm. conceive you. I'm going to birth you. I'm going to formulate all these wonderful, magical, esoteric things that the human body does and the human mind does. And then as soon as you're thrusted into the world, into this physical dimension, yeah. you're on your own. That sounds crazy. When you put it that way. Yeah. That sounds crazy. Totally. So th the nine months of creativity is meant to design you to become independent for the X amount of years you're here. No. If anything, it's the total opposite. The nine months of being in the womb is to prove to you that there's something greater than mm. you in you. Mm, God is good. Right. God is good. Right. And that's, yeah. that's, that for me is the whole thing is, is like, just why are you doing this on your own? Surrender. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Just relinquish that to me. Just give it to me. It doesn't mean you sit at home and levitate over your mat and light candles and wait for the spirit to show up. <laughs> if that's your thing, no, I'm not knocking that. That's fine. I don't know how productive that can be. However, you do have to make room. Yeah. yeah. You have to make totally. room. Totally. So yeah. yeah. So I think that if people pay closer attention to how we even entered into this dimension and, and, and the beauty that took place in the womb and, 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 and the independence 
or mm-hmm. the codependence in that way, sorry, of of, of relying on something yeah. in the unknown, literally in the unknown, mm-hmm. the communication that took place and just the beauty of, of of the matriarch in that situation. And then when we step out, it's like, oh, I'm here now. And then children are so beautiful. They're so adventurous. They're so courageous. They fantasize. They imagine. They do everything that I teach adults to remember. I'm like, dude, where's your imagination? I tell everyone right. all the time, every one of us are magicians. I'm just waiting for you to show me the magic. But you can't show me the magic if I can't convince you that you're a magician. So what's your tongue? What's your wand, sorry? Your wand is your tongue. Mm. Everything you speak into your life mm-hmm. is the wand of your magic. So what is the wand of your magic, magic people? That's right. I knew you'd like him. See? <laughs> I knew you'd like Jamal. Hopefully. Ah, no, no, no. I see I knew you would like him. I knew you would. Do you know that we've th- this has been like 45 minutes has it? conversation. Uh, wasn't allowed to turn I wasn't around. I could turn around. Now. No, you could turn around. No, but can you imagine? I mean, we could talk for another 45 easily. Easily. Yeah. Will you come back? I will never leave. I love it. <laughs> Jamel, you're a delight. I genuinely appreciate you joining us today. And I will have him back, folks. Don't Thank you, worry. Guys. Thank you so much for seeing whatever it is that's in me and knowing to invite that into this space. You didn't need it, but because you live in the spirit of abundance, you understood it. And that, for me, is why it was so easy for me to say yes. You'll be back. Yes. You'll be back. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed that. I knew you would. Um, That's another edition of Monday Moment in 5. I know I keep bringing you the remix, the extended version, but... When you have people like Jamel, I mean, what do you do? You don't want to listen to me go on for five minutes. You'd rather listen to Jamel. I will be back here next Monday as I am every single Monday. I want you to have a fabulous week. If there's something you want me to podcast about, to talk about, feel free to DM me on Instagram. You can always hit me up on Twitter or Facebook, or you can go to my website, dianaperkovic.com, and fill out the comments section. I respond to every email. So make it a fabulous week. I will see you all back here next Monday. Thanks, everybody. Mm